Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm Ben Burkhart, your host, and on this podcast, we share refreshing and faith-building biblical truths. I hope you'll plan to join us on a regular basis. God bless you, and let's jump in to this week's episode. Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. In this episode, we are looking at the walk of peace. What does it include? We're going to look at the precious nature of peace, God's call for peace and for peacemakers, the forces behind every conflict, and some of the prophetic and global significance of the biblical days of Noah, the biblical story of Noah. We'll also look at how to experience the true walk of peace and some tangible evidence that God's judgments are real. We're going to look at that right towards the end of our presentation, a special story you won't want to miss. So I hope you'll listen through and enjoy this episode today. So let's dive right in. Peace is a precious possession, but oftentimes we take it for granted in our lives. We are so comfortable in our day-to-day lives. We drive by an accident and it's not us. We hear about wars and violence going on in the world today, but it's not in our neighborhood, or is it? Maybe for some, it is. Sometimes we see about wars and things going on, but it doesn't seem to touch us. And yet oftentimes it is these great events, such as a war or some jab into our own sphere, that upsets the peace in our lives. And... We start to take notice. We start to realize how precious that peace really is. Something that we should enjoy. Something that we should protect. Something that we should be striving for. Peace is more fragile than we'd like to think, especially in a world that is at war. And yes, the world is at war even if the nations of the world have not declared it. The Bible tells us that there is a war between good and evil that is presently taking place, and we find this at the heart of conflict in the world today. The devil is making war. Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, verses 6 through 8, that there will be many wars and rumors of wars in the last days, and he reminds us that these are only the beginning of sorrows, that much more is to come. So how does God call us to peace? Well, the Bible tells us that we should be a people who strive for peace, who pray for peace, who seek to create peace. We find this in Matthew 5 and verse 9. Jesus himself teaches us about the importance of striving for peace. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So, does God want to see peace? Yes, he definitely does. God wants to see peace in our lives, in our world, and he wants his children to be at work for peace because God is ultimately at work for that peace. And keep in mind that true peace will only come when there is perfect righteousness prevailing. And yet, in this difficult and trying world, we must strive to bring about peace. We must conquer evil with good, not merely evil with evil, but conquer evil with good, the Bible teaches. 
So we should be peacemakers, striving for peace. We have a Christian duty to call for peace, to pray for peace, and to work for peace. God wants us to do this, to represent him as his true children. This is the call of Jesus Christ for our lives. Now, what are the forces that drive combat and drive violence in the world today? What are the forces that are at work and how can these forces be defeated? After all, if we're going to be peacemakers, we need to have an idea how to go about achieving true peace. We see that ultimately evil starts wars. It is sin in the hearts of men that brings about war. Conflict arises when boundaries are disrespected, when boundaries are broken, when people are striving to satisfy their own lusts and they are stepping on top of others and hurting them. This brings about great conflict when pride and arrogancy go to war with each other from one side to the other. We see all of these dynamics behind various wars that take place and various acts of violence, even senseless acts of violence that we see in the world today. And what will ease the suffering in the world? Well, only good will work to ease the suffering in the world. You can be sure it's not evil. Only good will work to save us from these evil things. Most definitely, the world is at war today because these forces are in opposition to each other. The forces of good and the forces of evil. Evil taking strikes at good and good taking strikes at evil. But in a conflict like this, what kind of weapons must we use? The Bible tells us that the best weapons are found not in the military arsenal of great and powerful nations, but right within the reach of every person, within, every, within the reach of every believer, we find the true weapons of our warfare. The Bible describes these weapons in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 4, where it reads, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Incredible verse, isn't it? The weapons of our warfare as a believer are dependence upon God, coming before him in prayer, surrendering our lives to him, letting God work powerfully in our hearts and minds as he wants to, reading the word of God and using it, using the Bible to share the good news of the Lord. This is how we can overcome. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual and they pull down evil forces. We should be people of prayer, people who trust God and depend upon him and his word, people who take the word of God seriously like Jesus did when he contended with the devil. Jesus lived by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God and we are called to do the same as we read in Matthew 4 and verse 4, to live by every word that God has spoken. Now, obviously, people are going to be fighting in this world and even using weapons of war to defend themselves. This is something we see throughout human history. We see even the good, even the just, who had to use weapons to defend themselves. But you know, the ultimate weapon that we can use is 
God's help, reliance upon God, trusting in Him, praying for God's deliverance. Because God works mightily and does things that we could never do by ourselves or for ourselves. Time and time again in biblical history, we see this being the case. We see God's people in the days of Moses relying upon God to lead them out to safety away from the Egyptian armies. We see God blessing Abraham in the book of Genesis as he went to fight with these men who had stolen his nephew Lot and all of his belongings. And so God was working mightily and delivering these evil men into the hands of his good and true servant. So we have to consider that although weapons of war will be used and people will defend themselves out there in the world today, still the greatest power that we can trust in is God's power. And we need to be relying on God. We are up against the forces of evil and only the forces of good, the forces of God, can overcome these things in the world today. This brings us now to look at the days of Noah. What happened in the days of Noah that bears important lessons, global lessons for our world today? Well, Jesus tells us that there are definite parallels between the days of Noah and the days in which we live. And as we look at the biblical history of what happened in ancient times in our world, and we look at the world today, we see amazing parallels. In fact, even scary parallels in some ways. So, how does the Bible describe the days of Noah? In Genesis 6:11, we read that the earth was filled with violence. The thoughts of men's hearts were only evil continually, and as a result, the earth was filled with violence, which of course is the opposite of true peace. There was violence. Now, in our days, we have violence all around us. We face violence. And Jesus warned us that our days would mirror the days of Noah. Notice these scriptures. Luke 17 and verse 26, Jesus said, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be before Jesus returns. And I'm paraphrasing the last part of that. Matthew 24 and verse 37 reads, But as the days of Noah were so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So, we must expect to see violence filling our world in the last days. And in fact, Jesus prophesied that in Matthew 24, saying that there will be wars and rumors of wars and other acts of senseless violence in our world. Jesus points it out. But let's look at a different path because we have another choice. We do not have to be part of the evil, part of the violence, part of the destruction, but instead we can be together with God fighting with the forces of good through spiritual warfare, through spiritual weapons and principles. We can be living a life of victory and living a life of good. We can be on that different path and we can walk in the path of peace. This is what we need. We need to experience the walk of peace. Now, what is the walk of peace? Well, the Bible defines this for us as well. So we're going to look at the walk of peace. Before we do, here's a quick word on some amazing Bible studies that you can experience. 
Have you ever wondered about the Bible? What does it really mean? While some things are simple to understand, other things are not as easy. Questions like, how will Jesus come? What will the end of the world really be like? What happens when we die? And is there really a hellfire where the devil roasts people for endless ages? How can I find personal peace in my life? And if God is love, why is the world so evil? These are very important questions, and the Bible has clear answers to all of those questions. To begin your Bible study journey, please visit WooSDA.com. That's W-O-O-S-D-A.com. So what is the walk of peace? There's only one way that we can walk in peace and experience everlasting life. And the Bible says that that way is through Jesus, that no one comes to the Father except through him, John 14, 6. We need to know the way of Jesus, the way of peace. Now, the Bible tells us that Noah, in his day and time, was living in stark contrast to the people that he lived amongst, the people of the world. Noah lived quite differently than they did. And God is calling us to the same experience like Noah had in his time. Genesis 6, 8 through 9 tell us about the life of Noah. It says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Did Noah live a life of peace? Did Noah walk in peace? Yes, he did. The Bible tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He had forgiveness for his sins. We're going to see how he experienced that. And the Bible says that Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Although the world was corrupt and evil and violent, Noah was a different kind of guy because Noah followed what God said. Noah followed the will of God. The Bible says here that Noah walked with God. Now that, of course, is the walk of peace. When you walk with God, when you know the Lord, there is true peace in your life. You do not live a violent life, but you live a life filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the peace of God. This is the kind of life that we all need. Noah was a man who made peace with God a man who walked in peace and taught peace and labored for it. He strove to bring other people to the experience of peace with God. And yet, most all the world turned away from God and from Noah and the message that God had given him. They did not believe in God or his message. They only trusted their own path. And for this, God had to judge. God had to remove them from the earth by an act of divine power, an act of divine force. God brought a great flood of waters upon the world to destroy it in the days of Noah because mankind had chosen to live in sin. And the only way for God to bring peace upon the earth was to cleanse the earth from all evil and from all persons who were doing evil. So God brought peace by wiping away all of the evil players who were living upon the earth. Now, Bible prophecy warns us that the Lord is coming soon in our day, in our time, to cleanse this world of all evil and violence. Jesus is coming soon. Prophecy assures us of this fact. And we don't want to be caught in the storm of judgment 
for sin. So how do we enter this walk of peace like Noah did and experience peace in our lives and share peace with the world around us? How do we experience it? The Bible is very clear about that question. Let's consider together a very powerful psalm in the Bible, Psalm 32. It's in total of 11 verses, but we won't look at it all here. You're welcome to do that on your own when you have some time. Ultimately, when it comes to peace, there is nothing so peaceful as experiencing forgiveness from God and then, in turn, having a pure heart before God, having pure and holy desires for love, for truth, for grace, for peace. The Bible tells us this in Psalm 32 and verses 1 through 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. So the Bible says that we will be greatly blessed when we are forgiven for our sins, when we are cleansed from our sins, and in our hearts there is no guile, there is no deception, no trickery, no evil. We are not pursuing wickedness, but we are pursuing holiness. So we want to have no guile in our lives. And this is the kind of work that Jesus wants to do in our hearts, that he wants to transform who we are, to change us from the inside out. We have all sinned and come short of God's will, but Jesus is willing to cleanse us and to forgive us for those sins. This is powerful when we think about it. We want to be covered by the cleansing blood of Jesus and by his perfect righteousness so that we will be able to stand before God in peace. The keys to gaining this eternal peace are Jesus and his mercy, confession of our sins to God, receiving of his forgiveness by faith, and praying now while mercy lingers for God to transform us by his grace. Psalm 32 and verse 6 reads, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Pretty incredible, this mercy of God. We need to pray in a time when the Lord may be found. It's not during the moment of judgment, when you're perishing in the floods of great waters, that you come near to God. The time to come near to God is today. The time to come near to God is right now. It is time to get ready to meet the Lord Jesus. In fact, meet him today so you're not surprised meeting him when he finally comes in judgment. The Bible says, get to know the Lord right now. And in Psalm 32 and verse 6, we find several important points. We find that there needs to be acknowledgement of sin, that we recognize that we have sinned and done wrong, that we have been doing and perhaps are doing wrong. We need to recognize that and we should not hide that iniquity. In the end, you really cannot hide it. God sees and knows all. 
So we need to confess our sins, and the Bible says confess them unto the Lord. This is confession to God. It's not confession to some human being, to some man, to some priest, but this is confession directly to God in prayer. God hears every single prayer that we utter, whether from our lips or in our mind, God hears our prayers. So we should confess our sins before God. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Very, very powerful verses in Scripture. God does not want us to perish but to come to repentance. And yet, ultimately, his judgment for sin will come. We want to make sure that we are abiding in the peace that Jesus Christ alone can afford us. So let us surrender to the force of God's love and walk in peace with him. Let us not be forced into surrender to the force of his justice and power, which would ultimately make the world a peaceful place without us. Instead, God wants you and me to be part of the peace of this world because our heart is changed through the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's be part of those who walk in peace and will be with God forever. The Bible assures us that true peace is found through Jesus. Romans 5 verses 1 and 2 reads, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The Bible is clear that we are justified by faith. We are set right with God, set at peace with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Jesus gave his life for us so that we could experience the gift of eternal life. Jesus paid the price for our awful sins. By faith, we experience the grace of God and we are able to stand together with God. This is exactly what Noah himself experienced. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah lived by faith and he trusted in God and was seeking what was on the heart of God. Noah was seeking that life of righteousness and peace which God promotes. Now that brings us to our closing story. Is there real and tangible evidence for God's judgment in the world? Is judgment really coming? Has God sent judgment in the past? Yes, the evidence is all around us. Now, I was doing some research here recently on a fossil that was uncovered in central Montana and sent in the year 1988 to the Royal Ontario Museum of Canada. This fossil came out of the Bear Gulch limestone formation found in central Montana. The elevation of this particular location is about 6,000 to 7,000 feet above present-day sea level. Now, although the museum had this fossil from 1988, they were so busy working on other fossils from that dig site and from other places around the world that they didn't even have time to get to this particular fossil until the year 2022, around March. So just recently, 
They were doing some studies on this particular fossil find from central Montana. Can you guess what they might have found? They found a relative to the octopus, a creature that only swims in oceans. Not only did they find this in central Montana, but they found over 60 species of sharks, many, many kinds of fish, and ocean creatures that you would find in a bay somewhere. All of this is buried in central Montana, nearly 6,500 feet above sea level. Is there evidence here for a great water catastrophe, for a great ocean covering all of the land that we call home today? Oh yes, there is great evidence for the flood in the days of Noah, that God sent judgment upon the world because of their sinfulness and their violence. An entire ocean of sea life is buried under the soil in Montana, buried under the sedimentary layers. The evidence is clear that these ocean creatures were trapped there in the sedimentary layers because of a great aquatic event, a great water catastrophe, a very turbulent event. They were buried very quickly because even soft tissue remains are found with all of these sea life creatures. And as you know, soft tissue doesn't stick around long unless it's buried very rapidly. Why do I tell you this story? It's because the time to begin the walk of peace with God is right now today. It's not tomorrow, it's not later, it's right now. Psalm 32, 6 reads, Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. In other words, the time to come is now. The time to pray and seek God is today. Those who are godly will pray now in a time when the Lord may be heard. Jesus is coming to end all evil. The world will be at peace. The question is, will it be peaceful because you and I have found the peace of Jesus in our hearts and we are transformed and changed creatures? Or will it be peaceful because God has eradicated sinful creatures, including ourselves, from the planet. Because God has silenced the aggressors of all violence and evil. The world will have peace, but not so long as evil resides in the heart of mankind. May you and I experience that true heart transformation through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's been great having you as a listener. May God richly bless your day. I look forward to having you join me for the next podcast. Blessings and take care.